Welcome to the Eclectic Gamers Podcast. Today is Sunday, March 5th. This is episode 188. I have a name. It's Tony. You have a name. So, go, Jim. Croce? Uh, Croce? How do we say the last name? I'm not sure. Right into eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com if you know how to say Jim's name. Because he has a name, but I'm not sure how to say it. I'm not sure how to say it. Yes, uh, you are, Tony. I am Dennis. And uh, before we go into our introductions, I would want to go ahead and thank all of the Patreon uh, members. And I'll call out those that actually have just recently joined the Patreon. So at the high support level, we have Kevin H. At the intermediate support level, we have picked up Cause and Kineticist. And at the basic support level, we have picked up X-Ray. Now, we're only up to 51, Tony, so do not fear. We did have a Patreon member leave. So... We are at 51, I believe, is the count with that departure. And because the goal, of course, is 60 to compel to compel pain. But anyway, again, if you want to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. Tony, it's been two weeks since we did the it last has. episode. What's going on? You've recovered, I hope, from Polar Plunge. I, I, I have recovered from the Polar Plunge. Um, I've gotten good feedback on the videos and my costuming. Uh, Your costuming was great. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it, and it quite seemed a like lot. everyone knew who you were. Yes, it, it worked out better than I thought it would, considering I ended up having to go with the wrong shirt. Uh, I did, uh, but since that time, I have uh, I found a game called Waves of Steel, which is an indie game that's available on Steam. That is a kind of modernized riff on the old naval ops combat gunner game that was on the ps1 back in the day i don't think i played that i played it a lot because basically what it in the old naval ops game you were a captain of like a little destroyer that got ripped through dimensions and thrown into a new world and you were fighting it out but everything was in like insane schizotech so the whole game was based around driving your little destroyer around, killing other ships, and then upgrading your destroyer with like insane stuff until you get like, you know, turning, you know, end up with larger ships and you've got like a Gatling 16 inch gun and laser cannons and, and, and uh, wave motion beams and, and all the insanity. This game is like a modern version of that. Uh, it's indie. The graphics are fine. They're, they're, doable but you can still you start out with what's a very normal looking ship with normal gun type things and then you just slowly build it up until you have just raw insanity on it uh just for fun the other day i was driving around in a ship that had a giant drill on the front uh buzz saw blades on the side uh a gatling six inch a dual gatling six inch cannon on the front and a laser shotgun, because why not? Laser pellets. Very, exactly. Very deadly. Yes. Uh, so I've been playing that a lot. Uh, I finally finished the entire story game, the storyline of the game. Um, I'll be honest. I The storyline was whatever. I don't care. I skipped most of it. I just wanted to drive You just wanted to have buzzsaw laser <laughs> shotguns. Wanted, exactly. Okay. So, Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Because uh, in most of, and again, this game was a big draw to me due to nostalgia, basically, because I used to play the heck out of the naval ops games. Um, I also decided to rewatch all of the Venture Brothers, mm. and I realized I never saw all of the Venture Brothers. I'd never seen anything after season four. It's because it would be years between seasons. Yeah. So it was very easy to lose track of. I think that was probably the biggest problem with building up support for that show. Yeah, no, I, I had never seen anything past season four. So seasons five, six, and seven were... Uh, they're quite different. They're too. very different than the first four seasons. Not bad. I won't say they're bad. I enjoyed them actually a lot more than I thought. Like the very first, especially in the switch between season five and season six, had major adjustments. I was like, eh, "Am I really? Is this really gonna?" No, yeah. it, was, it was still solid. It, it was it was real good, uh, just in a different way. Right. Yes. Uh, but I really I really ended up enjoying it. So good. That yes, was, was I fun. like that show a lot. Well, I have uh, been playing a new game. Uh, I actually have had it for a little while. I got it for Christmas. It's uh, Plague Tale Innocence. There are a couple of Plague Tale games, and I was just sort of going through Amazon. 
uh, looking at games, looking at things to put on Christmas list and all that. And I saw the Plague Tale games and they read interesting. I wasn't really familiar with them. So it's a stealth style game. You cannot hitman your way through it. Uh, it's not set up because you're like, it's like taking place during, I guess, the Black Death. Uh, it's so we're like in very historic uh, Middle Age-esque uh, France. So because there's the Inquisition and there's all that. Uh, and so there it's but it's been fun. I didn't. I thought this was going to be a, a game about rats. It's the Inquisition mm. has begun the Inquisition. So anyway, I'm not done with that yet because it started to get more and more challenging. But again, it's very much a puzzle game. Uh, stealth elements, but there are a lot of uh, sort of you know, puzzly solutions to those sort of things. Not Nothing particularly brutal. I wouldn't rank it up as hard as Hitman trying to play Hitman properly, for example. But You mean trying to play Hitman? stealthily stealthily that's not properly i don't know I in don't my know. opinion okay so that's what i've been playing and then before we get into our content uh, i do want to thank joe r he actually emailed us and sent us a bunch of mystery steam keys he had done some char- like charity donation stuff mm-hmm. and got some duplicate games so he sent us a list of steam keys but his email <laughs> noted he he didn't know like which games were what codes. So I have a list of codes and I have no idea what they are. And I've thought maybe we should like do contests or something to give these codes away to listeners and then ask them just to tell us like, well, what game was it? Cause we don't know. Interesting. Um, but I, I thought uh, just FYI we have, I mean, it's probably like a dozen codes. So, and I don't know what they are. So I thought, well, maybe we could, I don't know, do a game. We, yeah. We, we could see that. See, maybe Let's, get an idea for a game or, Let's brainstorm or, some some options. We'll, we'll do some brainstorming now. What could be could be problematic? Could be fun. Uh, we could just pick one at random, mm-hmm. fire it up, sight unseen, and just live stream it. I have thought about that as well. Maybe that's something we we could do with some of the codes or the leftover code. How about we do this for this episode? Uh, the first email we get, and it must be an email to eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. Whoever suggests for us a way, a game or some method to dispense a code out, will get a code. I'll give, okay. them, the, I'll give them like the first code that I have in the list. I, I, there's no reason for me to randomize them because I have no idea what they are. But So that's the, that's the call for this one is, is give us the idea and whoever emails us first will get a code. So there, that, we'll, that see we'll see what the listeners will see. And yeah. they won't know. They'll be all like, oh gosh, this is too late. I heard this episode three days later. It's too late to turn it in. It's like, you know what? It's probably not too late to turn it in. No one really listens to the show. So you have plenty of time. Yeah. It's a lot you of work. Never know. Send, especially when I can't let you, you know, Facebook message it. And I'm like, you got to use email. Some of these people are probably like, I'm so busy with like the gram. Speaking of the gram. <laughs> uh, I... My, 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 my eldest daughter, her dog is a Boston Terrier. And uh, we send dog-related, me and my daughter send dog-related and like specifically Boston Terrier memes back and forth. So we just have this like ongoing chain that have just turned into farty boy references about Boston Terriers because they're little farty boys. And it's yes. hilarious to me. I know nobody else actually cares, but well, maybe the one other Boston Terrier owner who listens cares. Boston Terrier, my grandpa was—that's uh, all he would get. Uh, well, he had an outside dog as well, but his inside dog was always a Boston Terrier. So, because yeah. he always he always gave it the same name too. So we went through like four Judy dogs, I think, <laughs> as far back as I could remember, or five. There were a lot of Judy dogs, and they not even have a number. No, nope, that's a Judy dog. All right. No, numbers would be impersonal. They're just Judy dog. Think George <laughs> Foreman, but with Boston Terriers. Right. Speaking of George Foreman, let's go into the pinball section because George Foreman never got a pinball machine. So that's the. It, it is sad, but you know what isn't sad? The Foo Fighters. They're not sad because they've just got got their own pinball machine. Compliments of Stern Pinball. That has now been revealed, and that is the big discussion point for today. Now. 
There is a link that I have in the show notes to Nap Arcade's breakdown of the Foo Fighters pinball machine. I also do have a link in the show notes for people if you want to watch Stern Pinball's game trailer. So that's not very long. The game trailer is not very long. There have already been live streams of the Premium LE and the Pro that you can go and watch. Now, as a reminder, those are not at Stern's site. Those are on Dead Flips. So the trailer, the game trailer stuff is on Stern's YouTube. I watched uh, parts of both of the gameplay reveals. Those are on Dead Flips YouTube, and I assume they're probably still available over on Twitch. Uh, but you can you can search them out for YouTube, and you can find. I didn't I didn't want to stick a ton of YouTube links in, so I'm not putting all of those in. Those would be those are longer. So uh, I did watch a portion of both of them. I spent more time watching the Premium LE uh, reveal than I did the Pro. But I did catch a little bit of both. So uh, let's go over some basics really quick. Uh, I do recommend people just go and load up an article because it's it's too hard to really describe you know the photographs and everything with this. But uh, pricing. So this is a cornerstone. So it's going to be the three tier model that we're very familiar with from Stern Pinball. Pros are going to be essentially seven thousand dollars. Premiums are going to be ninety seven hundred dollars. And the limited editions, which are they're doing a one thousand unit run of those, that's thirteen thousand dollars. The game's uh, flipper count depends on which model. So the Pro is a three flipper game and the Premium LE is a four flipper game. And that's because the the Premium LE has an upper play field in the upper left portion of the game, which is accessible from the right ramp. Uh, some other note, notable items is this is a six ball total game. So I'm guessing there's a six ball multiball, but I didn't really went, go in and find out, <laughs> check how many balls are in the particular multiballs. Um, the premium LE models, they have an alien abduction feature, which has a magnet underneath what's known as the overlord air arena. And it has a sculpted overlord Lord toy. You can kind of see that in the photos in the upper right portion of the game. Uh, the premium LE also has uh, something called overdrive. It's a ball save feature. And uh, what happens is they're using something called the dead post and what we'll do is that will pop up and it will allow you to deflect the ball from the left out lane back into play. It's kind of amusing because on the pro that doesn't exist, but the art still shows the feature. It shows like a finger flicking the ball up to the right. <laughs> so it's like, I guess a burn to anyone who decided they didn't want to spend that much money is, hey, you get to enjoy your your uh, your dead post flip uh, artwork at least. Um. I'd say that's the main stuff I want to start with, just in terms of the design team, so people know. So the designer is Jack Danger. This is his first Cornerstone game for Stern. He did do a Jurassic Park Home Edition, which came out about two years ago, I think. Uh, software, the lead on this is Tanya Kleiss, but Raymond Davidson is also doing code. You'll know Raymond, Tony, because he is who developed a lot of the rules on Rush and Led Zeppelin. Uh, the artist on this game is Zombietti, who you'll be familiar with, Tony, because he did the art on Godzilla, Deadpool, and pretty much every Stern game you yeah. love the art package <laughs> of. And uh, the ma the main mechanical engineer on this was Eddie Hicks. So I have, as I noted, watched a little bit of the gameplay. I'm assuming you probably haven't had a chance yet to see any of the gameplay on this. Right. I didn't, I didn't okay. watch any of the gameplay. I'm terrible. So looking at the photos and... In our internal notes for Tony, I have gone ahead and I've included uh, the first photo, Tony, that you'll see is the one of the pro. And then the one below that in the green is the SZLE. So you'll be able to easily tell them apart from the upper play field. But uh, what do you think? My initial thoughts are, uh, I think this is a pretty interesting layout. I do get where where Jack Danger in some statements online, because I, I do follow him on social media, like his Dead Flip channel. He has noted like a desire to make pinball weird again and things of that nature. And there this is different. It does I think you can see the some of the new blood aspects to it. One of the items that I think is kind of interesting that I didn't talk about in my summaries, but if you look kind of closely uh at the bottom of the play field, the inline configuration He's got these targets in there designed for alley passes to hit. So you, for a lot of people call it Shatzine, which I kind of don't like that name because it's completely nondescript and it's so inside baseball. But that's what yeah. I'd say most pinheads are going to call it Shatzine, but alley passing is the technical term. So it's when you let the ball go to the end of the flipper and then you flip and then it goes uh, back through the opposite sides in lane. So there's actually like a stand up there that can be hit. I've never seen that before. Uh, on I any, think it's a cool idea. It's a cool idea. My my only concern, and 
you know, hopefully they've tested it enough is will those do those bend out of shape with strikes? I mentioned that because the little thin stand-ups that uh, block all of the ramp shots and orbits and stuff on Stern Star Trek, mm-hmm. like the one at that left orbit, every like 150 to 100 plays, I have to bend it back into position because it just gets hit so much. Uh, this might, maybe they don't get hit that much because not very many people do alley passing, but but it's a cool idea. I'm just, I do wonder how it will hold up, but uh, but conceptually, I like the idea. I've noticed his slings are, are seem to be a lot smaller, a lot less real estate as well to give you more open area in that in that lower third, which is a I'm cool with that idea. It kind of reminds me of uh, Premiere, would sometimes do different sized uh, slings, uh, sometimes one being much smaller. Uh, these obviously look pretty symmetrical to me, but. The real estate is a smaller, which is interesting, probably to give you easier accessibility to some shots. So looking at the pro, uh, one of the things that I, I've noticed is the you've got the let's kind of go from left to right on that image. OK, so just really, really quick. It looks like there's some uh, some targets on the far, far left above the left sling. Then you've got the left ramp. That left ramp seems to horseshoe essentially back around to the left flipper. Then you've got the center ramp or center left ramp, which is accessible from the uh, upper flipper because this is the pros is a f- three flipper game looks like we got multiple shots uh accessible there as well uh from that flipper there's also a, like that little inner orbit with a spinner it looks like uh around that overlord uh, not it's not the custom sculpt because it's the pro and then you've got that right ramp which is what lets you uh, in this case go around and feed to the right flipper and if you scroll down that right ramp will go the opposite way that right ramp above that upper right flipper goes into that upper plate field which seems to have two loop options so that kind of reminds me of the upper area of uh, rob zombie you remember with the the little loop, quick loop right, you could do little. with that that but this uh, looks a little more like there's more there are two shots here not just the one little loop um so you've got that and i guess there's a whole like diverter uh option where Either you hold something up to to let it go in there or or whatnot, because you can see that it also does have the wire form that will feed back from that area all the way down to the lower right flipper. And then most of the other shots uh, look pretty much the same, because obviously the the addition or subtraction, depending on how you think of it, is that upper play field, though the Overlord toy uh, with that hidden magnet and everything is all going on and looks a lot cooler on the premium with the sculpt. Um, So. I think it looks interesting uh, based off of the very, very limited gameplay I have seen. If I were in the market for this uh, and I'm not, I don't know the Foo Fighters and uh, I look forward to playing it on location, but it's not a game I'm really considering getting. Uh, I would probably go pro because I normally don't like upper play fields and the two loopy style shots don't seem like I would have a lot of fun with them for the price. So I'd probably just go pro, but those would be my, my initial thoughts. Uh, so based off the images and stuff, what do you, what do you think? I'm going to agree with you for the most part. Uh, I do like, uh, the pros traditionally I have liked most of the pros better than the premiums, uh, play wise. Uh, it could be different. I do like the, uh, some of the things that I really can take or leave with pros are the standups. Like something like Godzilla would have to be a premium. The stuff's too much. There's too much better on the play field for me than, than to take the pro, but then like game of Thrones, I always preferred the pro, uh, guardians of the galaxy. I preferred the pro. So we, I'd have to see and actually play on this one to see which I'd prefer. But I, again, I'm, I'm like you. I'm not huge on the upper play fields. Just have to see how it is. I do like uh, the art. I mean, but it's Zombie Yeti. Who's surprised that I like Zombie Yeti? Yeah. Art. So yeah. Um, I, I would probably. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I will be that guy. I would probably, if I had the premium, try and find a pro translate to replace oh them. okay well you could probably order one i mean they're not they're not like sacred because cows. i prefer the pros translate mm. with the van to the translate that is available normally you aren't the only one i've heard say that they would take parts of the pro and, and stick it into another art package yeah overall so so you are not alone what do you think of this uh we haven't discussed it yet but i'll, I'll throw it out there what do you think of this idea that, like okay so this is a band pin but they're going with this uh, this theme of them fighting aliens. So they're telling a story here. It's not just like a jukebox. I like it. 
I, I, I really, I, I really like putting something in so it's more than just the standard music pen or the oh, it's a concert. You're playing a concert or you're doing what whatever. I like it having a storyline uh, built into it. I think that gives it legs. I think that's something that would give it more of a um, lasting ability because it doesn't feel. I, I say that, but I'd still sit down and play a Metallica any day of the week. Yeah, but that's probably more because Metallica is such a strong game overall. Right. A story can help if the game... I, well, I think the layout looks interesting. I, you know, jury's still out, obviously. We haven't obviously. played it on whether or not the game is fun. A story could help make it more fun than it might otherwise be. Yes. Um, yeah, I also think... Uh, I, I've, I've, I've teased that Raymond Davidson has always been on band pins, and yet again, here he is. But he finally does get one that will allow him to tell a story and not be, here, choose this track with an owl on it. Right. I prefer storytelling-based games myself, and I've never owned a band pin. So, uh, again, uh, I, I think the only other instance, though they argued it wasn't a, bad, a band pin, was uh, Spooky with Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle, which tried to tell a story. And in their instance, they they felt they they went so far away from it that it wasn't really a band pin anymore. I don't necessarily agree, but I, I see the perspective. I can see the perspective. I mean, because it's the it's similar to like Weird Al is very much. It's not just a concert. It's it, it's got a I don't know if you'd call it a storyline, but it, it, it is a different take on a music pin. Yeah, though with them, a lot of that is because it's on that platform. They're able to do so much with the screens right. that they can really change sort of the immersion approach that a traditional pinball machine just can't do. Right. Um, now, you know Foo Fighters better than me. I'm not a big Foo... Like, I recognize some of the songs when I hear them, but I wouldn't be, have been able to tell you the names of any of the songs. Right. So they have 15 songs in the game, uh, and I'll, I'll read them out really quick. It sounds like most people that I've heard from that are Foo fans like the overall selection, though, of course, everyone has the ones that they wish were in there. Always. That are. So the songs listed are All My Life, Best of You, Breakout, Everlong, Holding Poison, I'll Stick Around, Learn to Fly, Monkey Wrench, My Hero, Run, Something from Nothing, The Pretender, This Is a Call, Times Like These, and Walk. Yeah, no, I think it's a fine selection of foo discography. Uh, I've got no, I've got no issues with it. There's nothing really outstanding or that I feel like isn't in there that should be in there. Uh, I have no problems with it. I like this entry, uh, kind of moving the timeline forward of where we're pulling music pens from. Uh, I like Foo Fighters well enough. They probably wouldn't have been my first pick from this kind of era, but I know your hope is that if this game does well, it will encourage other '90s era because they first came out in the mid '90s, right? And so, you know, you, um, we're probably thinking things like Nirvana, Nir- Nir- Sa- Nirvana, maybe Cake. Okay, oh, that'd be interesting. That'd be good. I mean, I mean, there, there, there's a bunch of stuff out there. They could reuse those disco balls from Deadpool Premium <laughs> for disco lemonade. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of mid '90s stuff out there that I would really like. I mean, I know the ones I'd really, really like would never ever happen, but. There, there's some ones I would, I think, could be really good. So I've got high hopes for it, and I am looking forward to playing it. Yep. Um, my, and this is very preliminary. I've heard preliminary sales have been strong on the game. Granted, uh, preliminary sales from Stern Games usually are right. So we'll have to see if it has legs. But uh, this reveal, this launch, has all gone. <sighs> I was going to say significantly better than James Bond did. Honestly, how could it have gone worse though? Right, and and I think that lends support to the whole James Bond was severely injured by the licensor. Mm, I, I do think so. Uh, if I, I will go ahead and say, based off of how things are, I don't think uh, everything went so smooth for Foo Fighters. I actually think this, um, maybe sabotages is the wrong word, but I'll use that, sabotages Bond sales at this point. I don't expect, I expect Bond to be a short run. I do too. I think I, I think they'll those of you who bought Bond. I, I still think they'll finish the code and everything. Just, uh, I mean, I've reports are that game is not doing well. It hasn't been doing well for a while. And, and I, I, I and I think even with completed code, I mean, I've played it. 
Right. Uh, 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 now, uh, it's fine. It shoots all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a layout problem. No. And code can help it, but I think everything overall has just poisoned the well enough that it's not going to be one of those games that gets two or three runs. It's, you know, and and we could be wrong. I mean, the... The question is, if people come around on it, do they come around too late? Like, people came around on Guardians while they were still making them, and Guardians ended up having a really long run. People right. came around too late on Stranger Things and couldn't get them anymore. Right. So we'll have to wait and see on that. But as usual, the new hotness gets the most attention, and Foo Fighters is definitely the new hotness. Speaking of new, let's change topics to American Pinball. This was touched on in our last episode. Uh, we had some information already there was a teaser trailer i believe when we did the last episode that was talking about something out of this world is coming in march and we had the the american shield uh symbol from american pinball i do like their new symbol so i do too so all right another they've now got two teasers out for galactic tank force they had one that had just recently dropped and i do have a link in our show notes for people to go to Nap Arcade, which has a, a write-up on it and also has the video embedded, so you can go and watch it. It's very, very short. Tony actually just watched it uh, before we started recording. I watched it this morning. Um, Tony, I would love your thoughts on the latest teaser trailer. We now It's super confirmed that it is Galactic Tank First. The first teaser trailer did say that. Uh, I don't think we talked about the teaser at the time because I think it came out after we did our our uh, right. episode. And it, and it only said it font, down yeah. at the bottom, baby, like in the baby, I'm just a little guy. Yeah, down on like the licensing guy. yeah spot. Interesting area. choice. Uh, it gave you some silhouettes of some characters and stuff. Um, and in this instance, you get a little bit of what I'm assuming is some of the call out audio from the game and I, some stills I, of art from the game were they stills i don't know. they were like semi-motion they were like um dynamic motion like the like the halloween powerpoint yeah uh, jamie lee curtis hiding in where the closet a little, spooky. where there's the, a little the bit symbol of, of everything that was wrong uh with the animation choices of halloween is personified with her hiding in the closet and the that still animation of like the skirt or whatever hanging from the right from the closet uh rod uh okay, anyway we're we're not here to talk about halloween your it, thoughts tony your sigh your sigh is kinder I, I, than I, your addition your guys be kinder <laughs> than tony's initial reaction to the trailer all right let me, uh, I'm cut, i know i'm cutting okay. in tony's Set it initial Set reaction it to the trailer was not good that's my kind way of saying that you thought it was really bad I mean, <laughs> it's really bad. It was really bad. I mean, uh, when I watched the trailer, I like half rolled my eyes and looked at Dennis like he physically injured me by making me watch it. It was, it was not what I hoped for, but it's a teaser. It could be anything. Well, you agree though that they I mean with a game like Galactic Tank Force they got to lean into the camp. Oh no, they definitely have to lean into the camp. I mean, got if it. they didn't lean into the camp, it would be an even bigger issue. I I just I don't know. I don't know if it was it was was the the little video snippet or or just the super campy voice acting thing that it just uh it did not, you know, tickle my fancy uh obviously there's not much else we can say because we still haven't seen haven't seen gameplay haven't seen any i i have seen some far away photos of the game but not enough to make out the layout with any you know i, I can't talk about it I, not that i was sworn to secrecy i just i haven't seen enough to be able to tell you anything of use like we could with the foo fighters uh photos um what do you think about let's assume uh, i mean they've made it clear that this game's reveal is this month so given that we're be at the end of the month at TPF, my assumption is American Pinball is going to try and have the game at TPF for people to play, which is exciting for us. It to is. Go. What do you think, though, about them doing this reveal in what is looking at? We're going to touch on another one here in a moment, <laughs> looking like a very crowded month, uh, because while Scooby-Doo was revealed several months ago, it wasn't at a show until Louisville. And so TPF is going to be the show that a lot of people are going to play it at. Yeah, I think that... And, of course, Foo. And Foo is going to be there. And I think they really don't have a choice. I mean, we kind of talked touched on this a little bit before we started recording that 
There's a lot of good shows throughout the course of the year, but the really big shows are TPF in March and Chicago in October. And if they want to really get it out there and get it in front of some people, it needs to hit one of those shows. So if they, if they do all this teasing and do a reveal and then have nothing at TPF, that's going to hurt them. And when was the last time American had a machine come out? Was the expo we were at, right? That was when they had Valhalla. Yeah. So that was 21. Yes. October 21. They had like five uh, Valhalla's on the floor and we got to play it. Um, And those have just trickled though. Right. I I mean, not maybe not trickled as bad as like uh, Cactus Canyon remake LE, but, but not it's, it's been for a game that was limited to 500. It's been a slow. Right. That is. And, and, and is that a, yeah. Is that a, is that a just no one had the interest? No one cares. I've is, heard it's both. I've heard not, not no one, obviously. Uh, I, I've heard some of it's probably supply chain issues that everyone faced, but I, I have heard that like they didn't sell out. Right. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think the, I think this is more of a have to. It's been so long, and the game wasn't. Uh, let's assume they sold five hundred. That's not a hit, is it for a game for a company that big? I wouldn't think right? so. I mean, that's less than TNA one point run out of spooky years ago, which was five fifty. I, I just I mean, to be fair, that was a better game than Valhalla. I, yeah, but <laughs> I I do agree with I do agree with you on that. However, uh, spooky run ran and maybe still runs a smaller crew at the time than American seems to Americans very what I, I keep using the word top heavy. They got a lot of designers on board. Uh, it's I, anyway, I think this game needed to come out before now uh, as a consumer. I love the idea of all this stuff being at Texas. If I were American, I would be very upset that I ended up dropping my reveal when JJP is dropping a reveal. Stern is dropping a reveal. Uh, there's a rumor about another reveal possibly happening this month. And then, of course, uh, the Spookies finally starting to get the Scoobies out. So you're not competing against a reveal, but you're competing against a first-time hands-on experience for a lot of folks. And the issue that you pointed out, I think, is key. Texas and Expo in Chicago are the two big, big pinball shows. And this, as a non-licensed theme, needs pinheads to get behind it because the average consumer is not going to buy this game because they're not going to know anything about it. Right. And I think, in all honesty, this is probably one of those things that just kind of worked out this way because typically there's not been a major release leading into TPF. Typically there's not been anything huge rolling in. And I can see where they could have planned to do a major release and roll it in there thinking that, well, most people don't have anything huge, huge rolling in here. So this'll be our, this'll be our time. And then everyone else just went, no. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, let's move to the next company because okay. we're talking about stuff. All right. So Jersey Jack pinball. So I, I mentioned them in the, in the prior segment. It is now confirmed, officially confirmed, that Godfather is the next game, and the reveal is going to be a couple days after this episode. It's going to be on March 7th, so actually look at the game. I do want to note that uh, I am glad that they've gone ahead and confirmed the name already. They were doing teasers this week. Very strange teasers. The Patreon got to enjoy my baby's first. My first time my baby's first isn't a duck sitting there holding a something because... um, there were these photos with the designer of the game, Eric Minier, uh, with like the underside of the play field. And he's looking at it. Like, uh, and it looks, I mean, there's this wiring and stuff everywhere. But I saw that picture. All the photos are like him looking super serious. But I, it's, it's, it's an interesting strategy. Is that because of Godfather that make it all serious? I don't know. Anyway, uh, but the way he looked at the, the picture with the wiring. I won't spoil my babies first. People can join the Patreon if they want to look at the babies first. But uh, was it, it made me it uh, it made me think he was looking like at the like oh my gosh what happened here <laughs> not so not a yeah it was more like a oh dear <laughs> sort of thing but anyway um, it was fun so I appreciated the photos um, 
I, I do want to say, though, thank you, Jersey Jack, for, for confirming the, the name Godfather because it has finally ended the ridiculous rumor that they were about to drop Harry Potter. A rumor, Tony, let me go on a little rant here, a rumor that was so bad, it didn't even make Rumor Corner. And Rumor <laughs> Corner is full of some of the dumbest nonsense out there ever. I, and I couldn't even put that in because it was so ridiculous. And people were talking themselves into it. And I was like, guys, it's, it's Godfather. It was a serious black as the Godfather to Harry Potter. So it's just a code name. I mean, it, it spun into that. And it's like, guys, you lost the plot. You lost the plot a long time ago. And but but if you add up if you add up the number positions of Godfather and you take each position and you add them up and you divide them by the number of years since the first Harry Potter, uh, I <laughs> I understood a little bit because Jack Winery, the the owner of Jersey Jack, founder of Jersey Jack Pinball, he on a not on JJP's page, he in reply to someone else had posted a photo of him in front of. Uh, like images or some, or posted a picture of images that were all games that JJP had made, but also included Harry Potter. And then his response when someone asked about it was to suggest, and I, I read it. it I read the screenshot of it. it. It definitely suggested not that JJP has Harry Potter, but that JJP is about to announce it, which clearly wasn't true. He didn't say that. It was something like, I'd hold on to my money for... Uh, for the next few days, but it was in response to someone asking about Harry Potter because of the image. It was a troll. It was a troll job, right? It's interesting. Cause I think this one might have a, ha, might have some backlash. Um, obviously we can't really say anything about Godfather. We'll be talking about that in a couple of weeks when we'll have actually seen the reveal. Um, much like galactic tank force. I think this is very much going to come down to what the game looks like. Eric as a designer, is extremely well-respected by a lot of people. However, a couple of issues. The reason why I do the Galactic Tank Force comparison is Godfather, while it is a licensed theme, is a very weird choice. It is so weird. Very weird choice for pinball. A lot of people don't understand how it's going to work in the game. I'm sure it will make a lot more sense once we see it, but I don't know if there are a lot of people in the pinball hobby that are going to buy this simply because they love Godfather right. as a theme. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, if you're going to, and I've said this before, so this isn't new to anybody, but if you're going to go with the whole gangster motif in pinball in a way that is easy to understand how you would, what it would work and what you would do, you'd have to go with Scarface. I mean, personally, as a movie goer, I love Godfather. But if I was a movie goer who was going to make a pinball machine, I would have picked Scarface. Hey, I, I, I could see it. I understand where you're coming from. I don't know if I agree with you that Scarface is a better pick. I don't know what the ideal like mafia pick is. I think you could get a pro, you would have. Well, no, the ideal would be. Goodfellas. That's where I was going to say. Yeah. It's like, let, you know, if we wanted to start listing like mob based, uh, like, I could see where they came in and they were like, hey, Sopranos worked for Stern. We should be, we should do Godfather. It's better, it's better known than Sopranos. Like, well, maybe that's true, but, but, uh, you know, Goodfellas would have been a better pick. Scarface would have been a better pick. The Departed would have been a better pick. Uh, there's just a lot of more, uh, things that you could like, work with in it then i don't know there are so many mob style shows are actually very slow so it's uh, right so it's a question of there's a way to do it and i'm sure eric and the coding team have has thoughts on it the w the reason why i actually worry a little bit more about this than galactic tank force is the price point from toy story 4 I don't think they're going to, this is a guess, of course. I don't think they're going to go back. I, so you're asking for some serious investment to get into a JJP machine. If they ain't going to, if they ain't having no uh, SE version standard edition anymore, and it's like 12,000 or 15,000, pick your poison. You got to have a banger. You've got to have a banger. Uh, and I just don't expect, I just don't think it, it's going to be there. Most of uh, the, 
concerns that people have had with Jersey Jack games. And these aren't like hates. They're just generalized concerns have been, um, are the, is it going to be floaty? Are the flippers going to still feel kind of mushy? Is the code going to be multiple bonanza with where you've got like a, a mile of is like an inch of depth and a mile wide of water sort of thing where it's like, like some of the complaints about, about pirates, which ended up being a pretty respected game. But, um, there were frustrations with how right. they, they've taken, you know, there are a lot of concerns that people will have with anything. <sighs> Jersey Jack is asking for so much money at this point that they just, it's got to be a tier. And, it, and, it's, and it, they didn't even start with an a tier theme for pinball. Not, for it's pin- a great film, but not for pinball. Right. Like you, we joked before we started recording about Citizen Kane. If you haven't seen Citizen Kane, watch it. It's a really good movie. Really good. It should never be a pinball machine ever. Right. Ever. Ever, never, ever. I just, I, I mean, yeah. I, I. This is one of those games that feels like somebody was like, you know, I love this. The license is affordable, or is within our means, and I get to tell you what you're picking as the next game. So do it. That's what it feels like. This feels like a personal choice by somebody, uh, kind of like Oktoberfest. Hmm. Interesting. A character. personal choice of something that means something to one per- particular person, but might not actually have the overall draw. And I just, I just, in my mind, I cannot fathom how you will make this work without making it almost a spoof of the movie without making it how, how do you keep that tension and 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 the the everything that was in that movie in a pinball so one of the there's like a little teaser trailer i don't have a link in the in the show notes to it and i didn't bring it up with you ahead of time tony it was just because it didn't show anything it was the godfather theme but it was played solo on an electric guitar like what like, like like think about a slash rendition of that's that's what I heard. That's not that's not good. That doesn't help. That was my that, that, that was the Dennis version. That makes it even worse. This could go real bad for JJP. Hmm? Well, they're planning two games this year, so I guess they're we'll planning s- two games every year since the day JJP was founded, and it's never happened. But maybe it and will, I'm maybe not it holding will. my breath. Maybe um, obviously this one's coming out within a year of uh, Toy Story. It is so it's it two is within a year. I mean, they, we don't have to reset on January. That's 1, true. So so technically, so they've done it. They're about to do it on Tuesday. They'll do it. Technically, you're right, and they've already got a box ready it's to go. Technically correct. They're already ready to go. Correct. Yes. So this is kind of interesting, though. So, well, you know, we mentioned Texas earlier. So it's it's sounding like, based off of these reveals and stuff, we are expecting Foo Fighters at Texas. We're expecting Godfather at Texas. Scooby-Doo Pinball at Texas. Galactic Tank Force at Texas. Now, a lot of people think, myself included, that Project Carbon from uh, Multimorphic at Texas. I don't know that for sure, but they've... You know, talked about it, and it, you know, normally Jerry with Multimorphic has a really big showing. Yes, at, and and he's going to be at Texas, my understanding. So, so with all that said, I've got a, yet another one for you. It's time for Rumor Corner. Okay, on today's Rumor Corner, here is the rumor. I am hearing that there is a decent likelihood that Chicago Gaming Company, or CGC, is going to reveal Pulp Fiction before TPF. I did not hear that it would be at TPF. Right. But I did hear that the thought is basically that they're going to drop it in March and not the last week of March. I have been hearing... That Pulp Fiction has been, we talked about, this was on another Rumor Corner back uh, months ago when we were hearing that it would possibly come out in Q4 of 2022, which obviously didn't happen. Right. 
if you were CGC, based off of what we just talked about and what all we expect at, at Texas, do you think they should reveal it in March? I mean, if they could have it at Texas, it would be a great opportunity to let people play, especially we've been hearing like it's like old school throwback style game, not like modern LCD stuff. Like I'm thinking like Bond 60th with I've always envisioned it with like score reels and stuff. I don't know if that's the case, but right. But single level. But that so, makes sense. We know if they if they do announce beforehand. I think with everything that's going to be at TPF, they only announce beforehand if they will have it at TPF for the simple fact that if it is like we've heard, single level, old fashioned, uh, 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 kind of a throwback style machine, it will be so different than all of the other reveals that it will stand out on its own just because of its differences. But I think if they cannot have machines physically present and playable, push it back. Be just because there's been so much stuff dropped immediately before TPF this year. In a normal TPF year, do it. But with Godfather, Foo Fighters, GTF, and uh, uh, all, all already on deck, you got to hit hard. That's it. You got to hit hard or just... Walk away. You ain't first, you're last. Exactly. Okay. Well, were you rumor-tained? I was rumor-tained. Excellent. This, this TPF, man. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking so... I mean, I, was, I'm, I'm always, I always love TPF. I always look forward to TPF as, my, as, as a nice spring break and get away and, and reset. But this TPF... I'm just looking so forward to even above my normal desire to go to a TPF. It, it, it's just so much, so much stuff going on at this one. It seems like it's going to be absolutely insane. Indeed. Well, what insanity do you have for us in the video game segment? Well, first, we had an anonymous query. Yes. Yes, I didn't. I put. I wrote this in because I it came in, and so it asked it to be anonymous. So I have kept it anonymous. Uh, this is more of a tabletop question, though, for you, Tony. Uh, but I went and stuck it in here because we don't really have a tabletop segment this time, right? Um, and I, I'll go ahead and read it aloud for you. Okay. Uh, the it says, "I admit I don't play any tabletop games, but the D and D OGL issue has made me wonder if there is a book or article about the theory behind scoring on games like D and D, Pokemon, etc." And you know, sometimes that stuff does come up in video games, Tony. So, yeah, what what is the um, what is the theory of the score? I don't know that there would be a book or an article about something because they're not really that style of game's not really about scoring. Especially, I mean, D and D can be if you choose to make it that way. You can always play with people that are the murder hobo, min maxer, rules lawyer trying to make the guy who hits the absolute hardest that's mathematically possible by bending the rules to the edge of breaking. But in my mind, all tabletop RPGs, not just D&D, but all of them, are more about a group of friends sitting around creating a story and telling a story uh, and interacting in that way than it is about the scoring. The scoring doesn't really matter. So, I mean, if, you, if you're looking at scoring, it's, you know, whatever you earn, your, your, your experience, your loot. But I think in reality, it's just about having fun. And with Pokemon, Pokemon is another one where a lot of people have, kind of make their own their own thing. There's, that's why. So is this the Pokemon card game? Is this what he meant, or I, I don't know. I'm just thinking Pokemon stuff in general. I okay. mean, a lot of the people like Pokemon video games. Uh, they're they're just the completion things, but a lot of people make their own challenges. The uh, ever popular Nuzlocks, uh, which involve permadeath and all sorts of rules to make them harder, is something that a lot of people do. But. Um, I, I, I just I don't really have a good answer for this well, because I don't really I've never really looked at those games as a type of game where scoring is what you're what it's about. Yeah, I my thoughts on it would be it, it does sort of since he mentioned the tabletop, not really playing tabletop. I'm guessing that it's sort of two different categories if that's the case. There's D&D &D 
which is an RPG, and then there's like collectible card games. Uh, is there a Pokemon collectible card game? I thought there was. Yes, there okay. is. I wondered if that's where because of the reference to tabletop, but but um, so with like collectible card games, I'm not familiar with Pokemon at all, but I am familiar with Magic: The Gathering, and so the theory on most of those style games is there's a life pool, and the cards are all about you defeating the other person by draining the life pool, and it's that mm-hmm. simple. And they're just different mechanisms. They all work to do it. Different ways that the decks work. Um, and so like with Magic, you know, there are all sorts of... Uh, Tony and I used to play Magic. So it'd be... Uh, in in that game, there are sort of colors that uh, work together. And most of the colors have different themes. So like green cards are often about creatures with really, really strong attacks. And then you could go... Like blue cards were all about uh, countering and stopping the other player from getting to do what they want. And then, you know, black cards might manipulate more around like uh, deck management and life drain. And it's just... They were... So how you want to play it depends on like the kind of thematic style that you have and then you can build the deck around that that concept and then as tony noted with D, um it's about going on, a, on an adventure that's the you have a, a dungeon master who makes a story for you and you're going around and it's about actually role playing so it's about getting in character and doing that the scoring and stuff like all your stats and everything that is what influences your dice rolls so because just like with pinball there's an there's an rng element and the dice represents the random number. And then depending on how you've chosen to play, be it a min-max or, or anything, uh, you have modifiers that affect those those throws. So that's how that works. But the story itself is whatever the adventure the people want to go on. So Right. So it's severely affected by how serious, how trolly, how yes. your, your, your play group is. They can be uh, whatever you want. It's just whatever, however you take it. Uh, now, like a lot of tabletop games, they have like a victory point, a victory condition that you're working towards. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, 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 like in Monopoly, you're building money. In 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 uh, some of the railway building games, you earn points by having the longest train and the most trains and whatever. Uh, and you build victory points in those type of games. But yeah, in in like Pokemon style games, and card games, and especially in D&D and any other RPGs, there's not really a win condition. There's no, I mean, the win condition is you beat whatever person. I mean, yeah. You complete the adventure. You complete the adventure. That's the win condition. Uh, But you're not, it's not actually, you're not against the, okay, let me rephrase. If you are playing with a good DM, the DM is not actively attempting to kill you. And isn't against you. You guys are working together to have an adventure and to have fun. You can die. Those situations exist. But you don't have a DM who is actively forcing you to die because he's the enemy. Right. I think one of the interesting things about uh, D&D style campaigns is it's different than how a lot of us would think about video games or pinball in that. All right, let's say you go on an adventure and at the end there's a dragon. How you deal with the dragon is entirely up to how you want to play the game, assuming that the 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 GM isn't, you know, manipulating in any particular way. So, for example, that dragon is going to have a certain defense and a certain amount of health and you could you literally chip it down and kill it. You could fight it and try and beat it and and kill it mathematically. That would be an option. That would be how a video game would do it. That would be how pinball would do it. Like keep complete these shots and you win the wizard mode. You can do it like that in D and D, but in theory, you'd also have the option to negotiate with the dragon. You would have the option to do something else that might environmentally immediately kill the dragon and you don't have to fight it. Like, Oh, we did a cave in and the mountain fell on his head and he's dead because you can't survive having a mountain on your head. All that sort of stuff is the flexibility of the RPG. Yeah, because by since you're not working within a locked in framework, uh, such as in a video game, you could do all of that. You could go anything from just the general coverage to, like Dennis said, uh, with negotiation. I mean, you could convince the dragon that hey, um, they'll provide you with food so you don't have to hunt and this and that, and you can work together and create a kind of almost symbiotic relationship. I mean, there's all sorts of routes you can go. There's never a set yes, a set no, a set way to 
uh, finish any of that. So it's just a very different animal. I would highly recommend uh, if you've not taken part in a D&D session uh, to take part in one or or at least to watch like a Let's Play or uh, a li- someone's online sessions. They're just to get a feel for it. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have to be a and d It can be, there's a ton of RPGs oh, yeah. out there. Yeah, I've tried several. There, You ever can get, there's probably a local convention near you. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the things. I haven't done it since COVID, but there's a local convention every July that I would typically take a day off and I would go to. And I would literally sign up to play every RPG. That's how I got the RPG. My, my desires to play RPGs handled for a while because it's hard to actually get together all the time with my schedule and family and everything. So. All right, so thank you for the question. Now we can formally move into video games. The video game segment. We're going to start with some really interesting stuff is coming out of the Microsoft Activision merger. Uh, The EU was supposed to have had their big decisions, and they've extended the decision deadline to the 25th of April after their last major discussion. Uh, The Microsoft has announced a deal with NVIDIA, just like the deal they announced with Nintendo. And what is, I would consider, a major win for Microsoft. A U.S. judge has granted Microsoft access to internal Sony documents pertaining to the deal. They're going to have access to all of Sony's communications with regulators about the Activision deals, as well as details of Sony's own exclusivity agreements with game publishers since 2019. Sony ain't going to like that. Oh, Sony is raging. They fought hard to prevent having all of that information released. This reminds me of that, what was it, Epic and Apple or whatever? Right, where they were having the giant fight over the Play Store. But, yeah, no, this has become a a major thing because at this point, uh, Microsoft has been making the argument that all of the pushback to try and prevent this is coming from Sony but Sony does this exact same thing all of the time. And we've promised we won't do it. And Sony doesn't care, even though they do it constantly. So, and they've now been given access to prove or disprove uh, that Sony has been doing it. And we know Sony has. I mean, Sony's admitted oh. they signed exclusivity documents oh. that are intentionally based around. They are the walliest wall garden that exists in yeah. game. So this will... Uh, Go over very interesting. I think this is definitely bringing a unexpected angle into it that I wasn't expecting because honestly, I thought this would have been done by now. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens. This could, like I said, this could blow up and backfire on Sony pretty badly, uh, depending upon how it goes. Um, especially if it turns out that they have been being on the edge of legality with their own exclusivity agreements. And now they're arguing against this. So we'll have to see. We'll go ahead and step out on and go over to Square Enix. Square Enix has made a decision. Uh, they are ousting current CEO, Yosuka Matsuda. Um, the ouster is going to be, is supposed to be voted on by shareholders in June to verify. Uh, they are not creating a new position for him. He is just going to be, uh, exiting the company. I, I thought I saw a headline on this and I, I didn't read it. So I wasn't sure he was voluntarily leaving or if he was actually being removed, but it sounds like it, it sounds like it's a removal. He's been with them for around a decade. Uh, it's had some ups and downs, mainly downs in the last several years. Marvel's Avengers did not pan out as what they thought it would be. Uh, uh, Forspoken, which was supposed to be the great big thing that I forgot uh, about. Forspoken. That they thought, yeah, no, it, it crashed and burned. Um, they sold off all of their Western studios and then immediately created new Western studios. That I still, Tony, I still don't get it. <laughs> don't, that was the weirdest thing because they had some decent IPs in that. They did. In that stable. They did. They sold them all off. Several of them they sold off to Embracer Group. Embracer Group, who's now one of the largest video game groups in the entire world, which makes it so hilarious that this whole Microsoft Sony fight is going on and it's 100% about their consoles. It's about their hardware. Right where the groups that put out stuff out on all hardware at the exact same time and PCs are just like, okay, whatever. We own almost everything anyway. Oh, yeah, now we own also own Lord of the Rings. I mean, that's Embracer Group. So uh, 
So and don't forget the NFTs. Oh yes, and oh. And, and his love of NFTs and the I, blockchain. Jeez, they're they're <sighs> everyone else pretty much seems to have finally after after FTX just pivoted away from. I mean, the whole crypto winner and all that. I, I you we've had we've expressed our thoughts on crypto before, right. probably more than we should have on this show. But I do not get like from a business standpoint, SE still like doubling down that this is the future and that they should be dumping money into this. Right. And I, I feel like that's part of this removal is that they are stepping back from that because the press they've gotten and the fan feedback they've gotten has been so bad. That said, the person who is believed to be the most in place to be the replacement does come from a blockchain background. So he could be doubling, tripling down. So things may stay interesting. So I don't know. We'll see what happens uh, once this is uh, codified by the shareholders. Um, also, as you recall, we had spoken end of last year a couple of times about Yuji Naka, the former Sonic boss. Chili dogs. Who during, <laughs> mm, chili dogs, who during his time with uh, Square Enix was accused of insider trading yeah no he admitted it he he totally admitted in oh. court that he didn't that he was insider trading he's like yeah no i knew about it i knew about it and i bought stock in this thing before it went public totally so we'll see how that That's works a, i mean maybe it's just a, like a cultural difference like in japan if there's insider <laughs> trading you just say yeah that's what i did yeah so we'll we'll see how that works for him mm. i mean that's a it may be so slam dunk. He's like, I, it could be you, that. That would be you, my you could guess. get more mercy uh, from the court for admitting you what you did. That would that that would be my guess. But I guess we're used to like the courts in the U.S. Mm. where they have video of you murdering somebody while holding your driver's license to the camera, and you're like, Nah, man, that wasn't me. Nope, nope, wasn't me. Wasn't me. <laughs> Wasn't me. That's almost as good as my uh, Godfather Rendon. So yeah, uh, we'll see, we'll see how that works out yeah. for him. But I mean, it's it's it was a serious amounts of money that he had invested. Oh yeah, no, too. it was yeah. He, I mean, this wasn't like yeah, I traded twelve shares. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, he, no, he swung big, and and you know, if it had worked out for him, it probably would have been pretty good. Um, e three this year. Mm. is happening and it is in person it is being run by uh the parent company of Eurogamer, uh or or who's running it now ubisoft has confirmed that they will be at e3 which will be interesting because they're in the middle of a major shakeup supposedly uh they are looking at closing and condensing and getting rid of a lot of their offices and their groups. Uh, it's all still very rumor-based. Nobody knows anything for certain. What the, is known is it has been said that none of the game design groups are being affected. It's all of the uh, other groups. So it's going to be more administrative from the sounds of it, which considering all of the administration problems Ubisoft has had in the last two years, uh, might be for the best for them. So, Nintendo, on the other hand, has confirmed they're not going to be at E3. They never are. No, not, I mean, they're not going to be there at all. Oh, they're not even going to do like their kind of quasi-adjacent right. treehouse or whatever they call yeah, it? they're not going to be there. Yeah, they're, 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 they're just like, we won't be there. We have nothing to show. Rumors are currently that even Microsoft isn't going to be back, mm. but that hasn't been confirmed. Okay. So... Rumors still show, and Sony hasn't been there since, what, 2017, 2018, yeah, they, something they, like that. they quit a little, like, they quit a while ago. They do their own thing around the same time is what they've started doing. Yeah, signing exclusivity yeah. deals. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Too soon? <laughs> right into the Gamers Podcast you're at letting, gmail.com uh, if you're a Sony fanboy who, who likes what they do, like making Square Enix, well, I shouldn't say making, but having Square Enix sign deals where Final Fantasy is in perpetuity theirs and theirs alone. Right. And the, yeah. Well, Final Fantasy 16's exclusivity agreements only for six months, though Yoshida has said that the PC version will not be ready to go six months after release. Well, so it's Final it'll Fantasy, be much so that's longer. no surprise. Yeah. <laughs> 
And in just a bit of uh, humor, uh, I saw a piece that was talking about where someone was talking to Yoshida about Final Fantasy 16 and was asking for stu- some information related directly to uh, like tying it to get tying with, with stuff together and crossovers and asset and stuff from Final Fantasy 14. And Yoshida said, well, we'll have to talk to the people over at Final Fantasy 14 uh, about doing stuff like that, which was hilarious because that's also Yoshida. So all the memes popped up of Yoshida sitting at a, <laughs> at a table with a mirror on the other side of the table, like doing the big arguments about who can borrow what and can yes, do what. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's playing chess against himself. Yes. So... <clears throat> And that's all I really had for video games uh, this week because we had a lot of stuff coming on in we did. and everything. Well, I think so. we had a, a pretty dense little show. I think not, so. Not overly long. But if people want to let us know about it, uh, you can email us, eclecticgamerspodcast at gmail.com. You can also go to facebook.com slash eclecticgamerspodcast and send a message there uh, through the messenger tool. You, If you want to give us an idea to uh, get a free Steam code for the first person who does it on what we should do to possibly give away some Steam codes, do the email, not the Facebook. I won't count the Facebook ones. And other than that, if you want to support the show and see the babies firsts that I do, including the March one about uh, Godfather, then you can join us at patreon.com slash eclectic underscore gamers. Any of the tiers gets you access to all of that stuff. We're available on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram as eclectic underscore gamers. And we will be back in two weeks. That will be our pre-TPF episode. I uh, think we will, at least on the pinball front, we should have a lot more to be able to talk about regarding Godfather. At the I very would hope least. so. And I'm actually hoping that we'll actually have GTF details as well, like some like that layout, would also be nice. Stuff. So, so uh, look forward to the next episode. But uh, until then, enjoy this one with the Foo Fighters. And uh, I am Dennis. I'm Tony. And we will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye, everybody. See ya.